Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Redette, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we have a news and notes episode for you all. Before we get into everything that's been going on in the world of women's soccer, a quick reminder... We're on YouTube as a video. You can subscribe to us at youtube.com slash attacking third. Never miss a new episode whenever we go live or our exclusive interviews and so, so much more. Subscribe to attacking third on YouTube. Lisa, there is a lot to get into here. Uh, more than I think we were anticipating, but that's also a beautiful thing. Uh, how, how, how are you? How are you doing today? Here's a check in. I love the check-ins. We need those, right, for our sanity, for our mental health, just to, you know, make sure we're doing all right. I'm doing good. Um, Busy, busy week. It's crazy that the NWSL season is right around the corner because it feels like we were just covering the championship and then the drafts that all just happened. And before we know it, players will be reporting to preseason camp and we'll be getting schedules hopefully sometime soon and a lot more to cover, but there's been trades and hirings and a lot of activity over the last week. So our news and notes episodes, we, we almost like put them on the calendar, like, yeah, we'll see what happens. And then so many things happen and, and you and I converse with each other and we're like, we have to do an episode. We have so much to talk about creating our rundown. It's just a giant list of everything that has happened. Um, and we get to chat about it. So I'm pumped for that, but check in for you. How are you doing? Are you holding up? How, how's your day looking? It's looking pretty good so far. You know, this morning I got to start off my day uh, with soccer, which is always a beautiful thing. Uh, AFC Women's Asian uh, Asians Women Cup uh, is kicked off officially. Group A got all their matches in. Uh, people can catch those games on Paramount Plus. They, if they missed it, they could watch it on demand. They could catch full highlights on Attacking Third YouTube page. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Everybody should head on over to youtube.com slash attacking third and you can see what we saw or check check out what you missed you know the the, the time difference is real it's hosted in india you know so uh you know folks might might not have stood up you know or woke up for a 3 a.m game yeah. or, but you know there was a there was a decent game at 9 a.m eastern you know for people could maybe take in their their coffee and in, in a soccer game which is something now, nice. Sandra, i know we're talking about news and notes and we will talk about this but watching these matches anything crazy stand out to you are you like now swaying your opinion on who's gonna win or anything you know what no i mean it's too early to tell it was just two okay. games right it was just group a i do love for people who don't realize that we did do a preview right of the of this uh of this tournament and we had uh our guest uh, analyst on and, and stuff Steph Yang from The Athletic, and we chatted a lot about, uh, you know, Women's Asian Cup, and we're all excited about it, and we sort of gave a team to watch. So, of course, I was keeping my eye on India, and I thought they had they did great, but you know what? I was really impressed also by the debutantes in, in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in Iran, and they both uh, played out to a scoreless draw, and I know a lot of folks are like, oh, that was boring, but no. it was delightful. There was a great attack, uh, you know, attacking moments from, from, from India. They're probably you know, a little bit gutted that they didn't get one in, you know, but first point ever in the first tournament ever for, for Iran. So it's, it was, uh, all those moments were, were exciting for me. So it just made me more hyped for, you know, what's going to be coming up with, with the group B matches and the group C matches that are coming up, uh, later, later this week. So, uh, everybody should uh, keep an eye on those. If they get a chance, you can, again, watch them on, uh, <laughs> on Paramount plus, uh, and that's just, I guess the start, right. Of, of some of the news and actions that, that has been happening around the world of, uh, women's soccer. Uh, let's, let's talk about, uh, NWSL news. We've got some, some news. We've got some, 
signings, right, uh, from from teams, some acquisitions that have been made, right? Yeah. Trades who doesn't love a good trade. Uh, San Diego Wave FC, uh, still in the news in terms of making trades and player acquisitions, uh, a little bit new because for the rest of, of teams, I believe the, you know, most uh, transfer windows are, are closed, but in terms of being able to conduct business outside of those, I think that was a little bit, we'll just call it maybe a perk, perhaps with some of the incoming um expansion sides that are you know coming into the season for 2022 so los uh, los angeles san diego able to to still sort of engage and, and participate in these moves and they did so with orlando pride they uh talked about bringing up bringing over some some midfielders right yeah. which is an area that we talked about that they needed uh you know australian international emily van eggman and uh Taylor Korniak, you're going to be heading on over to to San Diego, and and we've talked a little bit about this, Lisa, in terms of the the positional area, right? This specific positional area they stacked up on defenders, which again we loved, you know, because mm-hmm. this is our moment where we remind everybody that we love defense here on attacking third, uh, and then they have also acquired uh, several forwards. You know, they they made no pun intended waves. Uh, they made waves, you know, within bringing in, in Alex Morgan. They made an early trade Alex- again. That was so cheesy. I loved that. You got to get it in. You got to get it in when you can. Uh, There's also like this very interesting, I don't know, kind of like unique developing kind of trade partnership happening between San Diego and and Orlando, Uh, you know, because the wave our franchise that had acquired not just Alex Morgan, but also the rights to Jody Taylor, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, now we're, we're seeing this move with with Korniak and, and, and Van Eggman. So it's just kind of like, well, well, we'll see what will continues to develop if more out, out of between these two teams and in the future. But I think they obviously targeted a, an important area of the pitch uh, uh, in, in that midfield there with, with these two players. Which is where they needed players. I mean, San Diego is a, a team throughout the trade window over the last few weeks. We've talked about Kansas City making a lot of big moves and trying to acquire a lot of strength uh, positionally to be a powerhouse in 2022 in the NWSL. And now I think that shift has kind of moved to San Diego, at least for me when I look at this, because San Diego has Kaylin Sheridan and goal, goal or defenders, as you mentioned, they are stacked. Abby Dahlkamper, Tegan McGrady, Kristen McNabb, Kaylee Real, Kristen Westfall. Lots of players there, lots of depth and talent. Uh, forwards, they had Mackenzie Doniak, uh, Katie Johnson, Alex Morgan, Jody Taylor, Kelsey Turnbow, um, another player that they just signed that we'll talk about. But really, they had no one in the midfield. They had no midfielders. And then when you look at some of the players um, defensively and in their forward unit, you're like, okay, maybe they, they'll play a wing back position, which is technically considered a midfield, but no one for Casey Stoney head coach for the wave was in that midfield unit. And now bringing over players like Taylor Korniak and Emily Van Eggman, who can not only play in the midfield, but be creative, uh, mo- like, magic makers in the midfield. I mean, when you look at a player like Taylor Korniak for uh, Skinner at Orlando in this past season, she a lot of the times played up top. Now, that's because Orlando had players in the midfield that were fine. Marta was playing there that could create. And and he just wanted to push, what, six foot one Taylor Korniak higher up the yeah. field so she could try to flick it on. And she did score a lot of goals with her heads in twenty with her head in 2021. But she is traditionally a midfielder. She played midfield throughout her collegiate days. And she's very good at not only flicking the ball on with her head, but bringing it down, controlling it at her feet, and finding those slip passes. So I like, I like this trade. But yeah. also... Uh, Orlando, what are you guys doing? <laughs> I feel like they're losing so many of yeah, their players. All- <laughs> True rebuild there, right? Like as much as I have to praise San Diego for everything that they're acquiring, mm-hmm. we said it was a big uh, kind of partnership with Orlando Pride, and Orlando is just losing a lot of their players and yeah. getting some allocation money. So there's always the fusion. <laughs> there's always the other side of like there's always the other side of the story right with what it looks like and yeah. it just sort of see the fan reaction to, to some of it was kind of like oh great like so who are is on our team you know yeah. kind of <laughs> kind of eyes but with san diego i think maybe on, on the side of, of the acquisition side of it are just kind of like sick more players for us right let's go uh sending one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars of allocation money with potential for additional funds pending certain conditions that they're met and uh, San Diego Wave also is going to send their natural second round pick in 2024 to Orlando Pride. So 
I think that was a first as well. I think a lot of the moves that have been done have been involving picks have sort of been for 2023. And apparently now we're uh, looking ahead even to, to 2024 and including those as well. Uh, but they didn't stop there. They also announced uh, another big move in bringing international uh, Swedish international Sophia Jakobsen, uh, signing her to a three-year deal with San Diego uh, and terminating the contract uh, that she had with Bayern Munich, which I don't know if people are like, maybe recognizing how huge that is, but it's, I'm going to just say it. It's big. Huge. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge deal that uh, uh, an NWSL club can, can lure over a huge talent like that uh, into the American domestic league, uh, ultimately being saying, you know, goodbye to one of the, the bigger European franchises, um, you know, in, in Germany uh, specifically. So I thought this was actually announced before the Orlando trade, which was still, I think maybe highlights that Korniak and Van Egmond move a little bit more uh, mm -hmm. because it was like, Oh wow. What a, what an amazing talented forward. Like, Lisa, we had the opportunity to have this player on Attacking Third. You did a great interview with her while uh, she was with, with Bayern during the Women's Cup and highlighting the players that were performing uh, in that tournament. Um, so this move was, like, really, really elevated. It was a huge deal. And then it was still that angle of, like, gosh, they really just have a ton of forwards and defenders. So uh, I think that sort of maybe highlights perhaps the, uh, the move for the midfielders from Orlando a little bit bigger for San Diego. But it wasn't just the you know the players right they were bringing in there's they're also making moves on the administrative side mm -hmm. for san diego when they're bringing in carla thompson she's going to be their new executive director of team performance and development and going to oversee high performance and development areas of the club so there's a lot of different things uh that san diego is uh you know making in terms of uh headlines right for for their club it really is i mean sophia jacobson that when that deal happened and we saw that announcement on Twitter, I was so pumped. I know. Now that she is in the NWSL and really like terminating, it's not like a loan or anything that we could see in the middle of the season coming over for a short stint, just seeing what she can provide. Nope. Terminating her contract in Europe and signing a three-year deal. So Casey Stoney, she knows what she wants in her forwards and she wants speed up top and she wants a lot of really technical players um i'm so excited to be able to watch this player hopefully chat with her again maybe have a few more interviews with her because her european brain and all of the experience she has not only playing internationally with sweden but with bayern munich to bring that to the nwsl i think can do so much for the league and even for san diego for this first year right like I, we have to go back and look at our 2022 way too early NWSL predictions because for yeah. me San Diego's climbing up that list right now of who could do gonna, really well this year I mean this is a huge grab for them we're gonna have to revisit it for sure I don't think that's it's unfair I mean granted at the time we did it we presented it as way too way early ratings because it was way too too early ratings I mean there was a transfer window ha that happened and now an expansion draft and draft and now uh, additional acquisitions. So yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think we might have to revisit it for sure. Both the California teams have been doing some, mm -hmm. some good stuff uh, this off season. And uh, it's no surprise that like we opened the episode having to talk up a, a big chunk about San Diego, just because they've been um, in the headlines a bit with the, uh, you know, naming a new executor, executive mm -hmm. director of team performance and development, adding uh, Sophia Jacobson and then adding, um, Emily Van Edwin and Taylor Cornick from Orlando pride. But you know what? We, we chatted just a little bit about like that other side, right? The other angle from the other team uh, for Orlando Pride. And they, they made, you know, they made some news as well. Um, they aren't, they didn't get nothing back, right? In terms of all of these things. They, they've, <laughs> they've, they've got themselves a ton of allocation money yeah. um, moving forward. And it's not just with this deal for the 125K for the two players. I mean, we're talking about uh, additional, uh, you know, allocation money and, and other uh, picks and stuff from prior trades. Uh, but they, they made news in the headlines in terms of their coaching staff. So Amanda Cromwell, who they hired as their, their head coach in the off season, they were one of about seven clubs or so who were in mm -hmm. the process of needing to fill that position. Go ahead and bring on Amanda Cromwell. They bring in Sam Green as his first assistant. And apparently they're still fleshing things out. Right. And on that coaching staff and they did it with a United States women's national team legend. They're bringing in Michelle Akers back into the women's soccer fold. Former Ooh. teammate actually 
right? A former teammate, actually, of Amanda Kremel. So there's a history there. But you're talking Akers, a two-time FIFA World Cup champion, uh, champion um, and has a ton. When you're looking back at those uh, early days of uh, the beginnings of the United States Women's National Team, and you're looking at past highlights of games or you're hearing past interviews with players, this is a name that is always echoed and always talked about. Uh, Hall of Famer as well. And uh, it's just, uh, it was sort of presented as kind of a little bit of a return because yeah. this is a play, this is a former player, a person who has been a little bit removed um, from the game in terms of like, uh, you know, being involved in like a coaching capacity. Um, so there was a lot of great stuff out there in terms of the reaction uh, to this news. So uh, Orlando Pride doing some things with the coaching staff. I know people are like, well, here's a coaching staff, but who are they going to coach? You know, <laughs> players. So <it's> <laughs> It's a little bit like, oh, okay. I think you have to ask yourself that question. I mean, that's what I just said. Orlando's losing all their players. But this hire, I mean, Michelle Akers, when I saw that name, it was like a, a blast from the past because she really has been out of the soccer world for a few years now. But um, as you mentioned, a former teammate of Amanda Cromwell, which is pretty fun. I mean, I can only imagine if in like 10 years or so, I reach back out to some of my former players and I'm like, hey, do you want to coach with me? Like, what a blast that will be. And I honestly think that for Acres, having the separation of really not being so involved in the game over the last few years will help her and almost give her a fresh perspective. I mean, even Cromwell, she's been at the collegiate game for so many years at UCLA before coming into the NWSL. So I think that like, Frankly, this could go one of two ways. This could be a lot of fun for Akers and Cromwell, but they could have no idea what they're getting themselves into with the professional game, dealing with women now that this is their hopefully full-time job to be playing and to be competing, uh, trying to make it on the national team, trying to get trades and, and play for better teams, score goals, yep. competing with each other. It's a different atmosphere stepping into that. So it could be a bit of an unknown train wreck or it could work out really, really wow. well because sometimes the nativity of players and coaches coming into this experience works out really, really well. But um I love Michelle it. Acres from like a player perspective, she's one of the greatest, right? Like named FIFA female player of the century back in 2002. Um, along with Mia Hamm, she was named the FIFA 100 list in 2004. Like she has just played alongside some of the greatest and she is one of the greatest players of all time. And that's got to translate. That's got to mean something. I mean, even if you're a player that just got drafted to Orlando Pride, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm about to be coached by Michelle Akers. Holy cow. Like what? That's amazing. I mean, it could go that way or it could go like you said. <laughs> What an unknown train wreck. That was impressive. It could go either way. Though That's a spectrum. Right? I think that's a spectrum. And I think that's part of maybe the fun and um, taking a look at the headlines of that and, and getting chatting with, with someone like that. And I think people need to remember that, you know, this is someone that they're bringing in. Yes. With a huge history in terms of the, the, the women's soccer game. Um, but, you know, it's coming in as, as part of the coaching staff and mm -hmm. kind of an assistant capacity. So it's, it's going to be a, a bit of a different angle that, in terms of responsibility that she would probably be having as compared yes. to somebody like a Cromwell who is wearing the, the head coaching cap or, or Sam Green who's wearing the yes. first assistant cap. You and know, this so is the year to do that and the year to try this for Orlando Pride because they've lost a lot of their star power, right, in, in players that they've traded away. Um, it's a rebuilding year for them. Why not try out some different things? Why not try out head coaches and assistant coaches? Um, I like this, you know, like yeah. – this is the year to do it. Why not throw all the glitter around and, and see what happens? Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? 
Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. No, I'm with you for sure on that. I mean, with uh, the the movement of players like uh, Van Eggman, and Korniak, you know, re, uh, and that's just the recent move to, to San Diego, not counting all the other player departures that have sort of come into play during this offseason. Uh, you know, Orlando Pride entered their expansion draft and their draft and targeted it, you know, a certain kind of way. And uh, they had a, a big pick in that first round in the NWSL draft and brought on a forward out of UCLA, Mia Fischel. And it was kind of touted, and we talked about this as well in our own spaces here and across CBS Sports and on Attacking Third, about how it was viewed as a really, really good pick. Uh, you know, it was reuniting, uh, you know, a young player in, in Mia Fischel with somebody like Amanda Cromwell, two, two people who have had familiarity with the, the UCLA program. And even then, with without just these recent moves from Orlando Pride, uh, Orlando was sort of being viewed as this team that's going into a bit of a rebuild, and that's starting with you know with Cromwell and how this team is going to look moving forward, how she's going to flesh out this roster, what it's going to look like, and Fischl was viewed as maybe a piece of the future that could be, uh, you know, a what if sort of you know in terms of young players to 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 mm-hmm. move around. Uh, now, on January the 9th, we talked about in another News and Notes episode, right, a, a bit of a rumor that talked about how Mia Fischel could possibly be connected with Liga MX Feminil, with Tigres Feminil, one of the, if not most popular side uh, in Liga MX Feminil. They're definitely the most winning side with all their championships that they've, uh, you know, racked up. And we addressed it as a rumor because we were unsure, you know, about it. It came out via, you know, La Marca and we talked about their uh, their reporting and we said, hey, like we would love to see it. Right. And turns out, Lisa, <laughs> we didn't have to just love it. It got mad. It became it became true. The rumor became truth. And I am just ecstatic about it. I think when we saw this happening, in real time, you and I were like texting each other. We were like, oh, yo, this is happening. It's because real. It's real. We couldn't wait to come back on an episode like this, right? Give it time to to sort of marinate a little bit and come back and return to revisit it as something that's real now. And I got to say, I loved it. Uh, watching this announcement of this player sign with Tigres Feminil, I think is huge. Again, we talked about at the top of this episode, Lisa, with somebody like a Sophia Jakobsen breaking a contract, terminating a contract with Bayern Munich to come to NWSL. And then you have a highly touted U.S. prospect in Mia Fischel get drafted by the American Domestic League in NWSL by Orlando Pride, former coach of hers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and before even, you know, making the attempt to, to report to market February 1, signs with Tigres Feminil. And I, I loved everything that has been coming out uh, of this signing. The the way Tigres Feminil as a club announced it, presented it, uh, the way that Mia Fischel has sort of embraced, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, becoming a player, becoming a face of this franchise has been absolutely delightful. And I'm here for it. I love it. I, I know we talk a lot about the women's game, right? And then sort of maybe look at the men's game and sort of see the inequalities there, the lack of equity and stuff like that. And we take a look at players making these moves for themselves and you can't help but just sort of try to root for them a little bit. And one of the things that we see a lot of times, I think, in the men's side of the game is how there are players, you know, who choose to go play in Liga MX Femino versus MLS or players who, you know, choose to play for the Mexican national team versus, you know, de- declaring for the United States. And I love that uh, there's a li- maybe a little bit of that that's coming into play with this signing that you have this, this top prospect saying, you know what? Yes, I was drafted 
But to start off my pro career, I'm going to be playing in Liga MX Femino. It was a, it was a delight to sort of see all that kind of manifest and come out. It really was. I mean, this it is fantastic for Fischl, um to be not only drafted in the NWSL, which is touted as one of the best women's leagues in the world, but then to be poached away by one of the best teams in in, in Mexico. I mean, this is fantastic for her. Um, I have to let our listeners and, and our viewers in on a little bit of the backstory of this, Sandra, because I know you mentioned it, but there's a little bit more to this story because I've, I've I've kind of put myself on blast here and said that what is Orlando Pride doing this year? So when we first heard about this rumor of official potentially signing with Tigres Femenil, it was like, okay, yeah, let's talk about this. This is a crazy rumor. We don't know if it's going to happen. And we said that on our episode back in early January. We were like, this is a very, very interesting rumor that we heard. We love it. We would love to see it. But I don't think this will happen. And at the time, we discussed that Orlando needed forwards. And a lot of times, players that get drafted, um, they don't always see so much of the field in their very first year. I mean, that's when they become Rookie of the Year or Rookie of the Year candidate. But at this point, looking at the Pride's roster and what Amanda Cromwell had put together or rather lost in in. Alex Morgan and uh, Jody Taylor, just the pieces that were missing at Orlando. It was like they kind of need Fischl at this point. And Cromwell knows Fischl from the collegiate game. She coached her for four years at UCLA. So already like a seamless transition. I doubt she's going to let her go. She's not going to T. Grace Feminile. And then bam, it happened. And that's why when we were texting about it, it was like, wow, this happened. We're so happy for her. But what the hell is Orlando Pride going to do now without this very high draft pick that they chose in the NWSL draft that is now gone? Um, I love this, though, for her and for her professional development of the game. This is going to do wonders for her because she's going to get a lot of time at Tigres Feminile and she can make a really big impact and she'll learn um, different style to the game than she would have if she just stuck in the NWSL, stuck with her old college coach in Amanda Cromwell. The diversity that Fisher Fischl is now going to experience will be fantastic for her and the future of her soccer career. But I did have to let everyone in a little bit on our insight as this news was happening over the last week or so. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. I mean, and that's part of, <laughs> there's no that's hiding. Part, it. That's, again, that's part of talking about the, the, the once upon a time rumor that became uh truth that, uh, that became, that became fact, but you know, it's just, uh, again, I think that's some, some of the things that people will try to, you know, sort of make or, or or compare or try to find those those common threads, and that it's like, yeah, it's like based on current you know rules and in, in NWSL, this this player was drafted by this club by this team, but there was no pen to paper, there was no contract that was uh, signed, you know, in, in terms of me official and in Orlando uh, Pride, and while the deal with Tigres hasn't necessarily uh, you know been been made. Uh, public, you know, this is a club that's, you know, been around for five or six years has won, um, you know, a ton of championships already. Uh, it's going to be going to a league that's a little bit different from NWSL and that, uh, you know, this is, this is a, this is a, a league that goes kind of all year round, you know, it's broken up into two parts, whereas, uh, you know, NWSL is just kind of one, one sort of chunk, one long chunk, you know, so there's, there's a ton of different angles here that I think can be taken for, uh, you know, for a player like Fischl, who I'm sure like any player heading into the draft was looking for different types of deals and different types of, um, you know, offers, you know, uh, ahead of that. And uh, the fact that this league was a league that was able to like stay relevant in perhaps all the other clubs that were maybe vying for her uh, mm -hmm. services is the one that kind of wins. And I think that that is also a testament to, not just Liga MX Feminil, but let's be real too, to Tigres Feminil specifically, because this is a club that is very clearly uh, putting in a lot of investment into their women's side, uh, into their women's club team, and uh, sort of showing, hey, if you come to Tigres Feminil, we are going to make sure that this is a place where not only you continue yeah. your, your development, but that you become 
a name where you really do make a name for yourself. So I, uh, you know, I, they introduced her with, you know, with the Jersey, the new number, you know, as their new number 10, you know, and that's a, that stuff is a big deal. So, uh, it was, uh, it was a delight to see. And I, I hope this is maybe just opening up the, the door a little bit to, to maybe seeing some other things like this. Uh, definitely the feeling that yes, me official is the first player in, you know, NWSL draft history to be drafted by a team. And then opt to go to Liga Mexico, yeah. but she's not going to be the last. And that is sort of the exciting angle about it, I think, for us to sort of uh, talk about. But, Lisa, this goes hand in hand with uh, what you were talking about a little bit with, like, Orlando and the players and, like, what's going on in, in this, net, right? But Orlando did make a little bit of an acquisition of their own. Uh, they also engaged in an additional um, – Try to get some forward options, right? They they uh, acquired uh, Darian Jenkins uh, in a trade, and uh, they sent uh, a natural second round pick in the 2023 NWSL draft with seventy five thousand dollars in allocation money. Uh, going from uh, Kansas City, going to to Orlando Pride now. So this is this is a forward that. You know, she was somebody who in 2021 scored, I think, one of our favorite goals, right, mm-hmm. uh, during the NWSL season. Uh, and that was very, very exciting. And this is a player that has had to deal with a little bit with some injury problems in the past. So I think this is uh, some a player that I think a lot of us watching are still sort of waiting for her to kind of have a bit of that breakout season uh, because she's had to navigate some things, whether it's been having to go from team to team in the middle of uh, coming back from, from injury. So I'm hoping that... Uh, in this move with Kansas City, that Darren Jenkins goes to a place like Orlando Pride in a phase that's clearly rebuilding mm-hmm. and going to be a player that's able to get consistent time, consistent minutes, and be able to maybe finally have that kind of breakout season that uh, we've been looking for. I think we could actually really see that from Darian Jenkins because she has uh, so much of the bones already there to be a very, very good forward attacking player in the NWSL. And we did see so many glimpses of that during her time at Kansas City last year in 2021. There were moments, like you mentioned, um, her goal. That was one of our top goals of the entire NWSL season. Now, heading over to Orlando Pride, she is going to be training alongside uh, players like Marta, players like Sydney LaRue that know how to score. Um, uh, Leah Pruitt is also there. So there's a lot of different attacking-minded players that can show Darian Jenkins uh, different styles of play. I mean, if Darian Jenkins can just learn one thing every single day in training from the players around her, I think she's going to be fantastic, right? Like she's just going to continue to be that sponge to absorb all the information and, and to grow. Um, she's a, a player that did deal with a lot and and getting time, not getting time and some injuries um, and, and everything like that. But I think this could be a really big year for Darian Jenkins to prove that she deserves to be a starter, especially at Orlando Pride. And if she can start alongside Sydney LaRue, who is still at Pride at this point, that could be really, really fun magic between those two. I hope you're right, because I think when you're looking at that Orlando front line, if you're a fan of Orlando Pride, you're definitely looking at it and you're saying, who's our forward? And it's Sydney LaRue, you know, but um, you got to have help. You got to have uh, partnerships. You got to have uh, you got to have collaborators, man, in this league. So I, uh, you know, hope that uh, some chemistry can be built a little bit more uh, for both of those players in Orlando Pride. And maybe they can uh, come out with something special in 2022. Got them FC. OK, not staying out of the headlines either. You've got uh, a number of teams making re-signings and acquisitions, and Gotham is one of those. Uh, probably the biggest, you know, Margaret Purse extending a deal for two years alongside Christy Mewis, who has a deal with the club through 2024. Ifioma Anumanu has resigned a one-year contract, so that duo will still be together at least for one more season. But uh, these are all players, I think, that you're looking at for Gotham FC and saying adding somebody like a Christy Mewis can maybe take them to that next step that they just fell short of, right, uh, in their season. We're talking about a quarterfinal finish for this franchise, which is a huge step up in their previous years in NWSL. 
Uh, but a return to the playoffs, number one, was huge for them. Uh, and if they can build on maybe getting, you know, in through those tough moments, I think that's going to be huge for them. And I think having somebody like Chrissy Mewis alongside Margaret Purse, yeah. keeping Ifeoma Anumanu around when you're, you want to have those players that have sort of built up um, this sort of new culture, right, around Gotham FC. And you're doing that when you're resigning somebody like Purse and showing a commitment, right? for a two-year contract and you're bringing somebody like Anamanu to try to sort of keep the band together a little bit, but still adding another player with experience to try to ensure that you take that next step. I, I like it. I liked all these signings coming from Gotham. I think, uh, I think they're going to be trouble again. For Sandra, Sandra, you said it best. The trio between purse Anamanu and Christy Mewis. Ooh, hoo, 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 that is, that could be so lethal. And under Scott Parkinson, who has, um, I mean, he did a fantastic job with the team at the end of the 2021 season after Freyakum moved over to Angel City. Uh, he really did well. Um, and remember, Gotham also, they're losing Carly Lloyd. They already lost her, which I think does change up the style of play because she played that striker, uh, that 10 striker for Gotham and for Scott Parkinson uh, that dropped back into the midfield a lot. And she became that playmaker. And I would love to see now to push purse and Anamanu and just stretch their opponents and their back lines, having so much speed and the depth up top in that forward position. And then you look at the midfield with long and Zerboni, um, then adding Mewis into that mix and Christy Mewis. There's could be a lot there. This, this could be a year for Gotham. And I'm reflecting back on our way, way, way too early predictions for 2022. This might change things a little bit for Gotham when you look at all of the different power that they have and knowing uh, well ahead of February 1st that these players have their contracts signed. Um, they know they have a home and a place to be, a place to make a mark is huge. And then, uh, I mean, looking at like the international stage in a sense, like Margaret Purse is at camp right now for the U.S. Women's National yep. Team and trying to prove herself on that stage. So the ceiling for Purse is very, very high and it keeps getting higher for her. So this is this is good to see for Gotham. It's very promising. Absolutely. Uh, to run out some of the uh, signing news for NWSL, Oil Rain have re-signed Ziara King through 2023. Kansas City Current re-signing Desiree Scott through 2022 and Kristen Edmonds through 2022 as well. So the veterans returning to Kansas City Current to try to build on what they started in their inaugural season in 2021. And uh, young player and King staying with Oil Rain, which I think is important. I think when you're a young player kind of trying to continue your development in this league. So we'll see how those signings pan out for the teams. Let's move into some little bit of international news, you know, a little bit just for, for folks to, to sort of keep them engaged. Something that was very interesting that we thought could be fun to talk a little bit on this episode was FIFA's fifth pro women's world best 11, because it kind of uh, got some attention and maybe not, some of the best, maybe a little bit negative per se. Alex Morgan, Marta, uh, Vivian Media, uh, Mirema, uh, Bonsea, Lloyd, uh, Stefania Benini, Erickson, Millie Bright, Wendy Bernard, Lucy Bronze, Christine Andler, all making the best 11, which some people were like a little confused at some of the players uh, that might have made the list, particularly no Barcelona players. And yeah. uh, the fact that Alexia Puteas was not on the list as well, considering she won uh, not only the Ballon d'Or, but the uh, the best FIFA Women's Player Award for 2021. So it like there was a disconnect to there that mm -hmm. people were noticing and sort of, uh, you know, kind of not all want to say like getting up in arms about, but definitely like voicing their displeasure at the fact that uh, this was the type of starting 11 that was issued um, as the the quote unquote best. Uh but you know, it's just it's a it's a player award, also. Yeah. You know, it's like so it's it's something that's voted on by players, and uh, I think honestly, Lisa, and seeing some of the reactions to it, I think you know, Alexia Batias, I think probably put it best herself because she was asked about it, mm -hmm. and she basically just chalked it up to like, look, like I know what this award is and what it's about, and you know, the fact of the matter is like the women's game is not accessible to people. And I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that people cannot 
literally see us play. Uh, and that's a problem. Like it's a problem when even other players, like women's players, whoever's voting on it, they themselves can't watch the games. It's a, it's a sad situation. So uh, kind of like uh, there were some, I think, standout players on there, right? I think you look at, you look at somebody like a, a Christiane Endler, if you look at somebody, you know, like a, a Viv Midima who's with Arsenal, you know, you there are players who stand out, you know, but there were players who they were like, how are you putting on this player or that player? Exactly. You know, so, uh, it was interesting to sort of see the the reaction to that uh, kind of on the Twitterverse. It was interesting. And, and the fact that I don't think a lot of people realize, as you mentioned, it is player voted that's that's who votes for these and that's who gets the pick but um the no barcelona players definitely shocking and interesting that it's potentially due to lack of visibility and i'm not surprised by that because it's not easily accessible to watch these women's matches and and i hope that changes right like we're working towards that um trying to get a lot more visibility trying to get better games better replay games that you can watch on on demand later if the games are at weird times but um yeah i mean i'm glad we touched on this because this was a lot of news and this is a really big honor for a lot of these players uh to be named to the fifa pro women's world best 11 i mean that's a huge honor for anyone that gets it despite Despite all of the backlash for who is on the list, um, maybe things will change in the future. But it's player voted. Interesting, fun facts that we get to learn about things that I like to learn about. Yeah, and I like that. I like the way that um, that Patea sort of put it out there. She's like, you know what? It's like that. That's still being fought for. You know, mm-hmm. people aren't able to watch uh, the games, and that's an unfortunate. Uh, Head coach award of FIFA's best coach award going to Emma Hayes uh, from the FA Women's Super League coaching up Chelsea. So that was also something that got put out there. So congratulations uh, to her. Uh, another bit of news that's happening, maybe also NWSL related a little bit, right? Depending on how you want to look at it. We've got Dr. Nadia Nadim now officially became a doctor, a reconstructive surgeon. Uh, you know, we had Nadim join us uh, on attacking third. Lisa, she was with Racing Louisville and had just arrived and participating in the season with them. And that was one of the things that we talked about. She's been kept busy uh, by having to sort of balance all of these things, whether it's being a pro athlete and then also all of her work as uh, an advocate and an activist, right, for refugees. And then trying to become a doctor in between all of that. It was, it's a, it's, it's madness to think about that. uh, That's ultimately what she did. She pulled off a madness and now she is officially Dr. Nadia Nadim. A huge, huge accomplishment for her. And, and not only all of the things you mentioned, being an advocate, being a professional player, dealing with tough injury, having to get surgery for that tough injury, um, missing out on some international play. She was just about to hit, to hit her 100th cap for the Danish international team. Um, but she's a player and honestly a person that is very inspiring because despite any curveball or roadblock thrown in her way, and she has seen more than anyone else would like to see in their lives, she continues to plow through and find a different way and say, okay, I'm injured and I can't keep competing with my team. I'm going to get my surgery. I'm going to continue studying for medical school and she's going to graduate. And I know Racing Louisville is pumped to get Dr. Nadim on a jersey because that is pretty freaking sweet, let me say. And not just a doctor, right? Like reconstructive surgeon. It's so wild that like she, she tore ACL, she knew she had yeah. surgery off season, and then it's like, hey, guess what? Now I'm also a doctor of reconstructive uh, surgery. It's uh, it's, it's wild, but again, uh, extending congratulations uh, to her. Uh, some retirement news making uh, headlines is Canadian women's national team goalkeeper Steph LeBay announcing her retirement this spring. The 2016 Olympic bronze medalist, 2020 Olympic gold medalist, has earned 85 caps with the Canadian women's national team and also a 2019 NWSL championship while with the North Carolina Courage. Uh, I'm going to extend congratulations to that as well. You know, people look at that as an ending, but perhaps in reality, that's a new beginning uh, for for players when they they make that uh, decision. So congratulations to her. A very lengthy career that spanned, uh, you know, both internationally and at club, played in Europe along with NWSL, North Carolina, and Washington Spirit. Uh, Yeah, 
congratulations to her for sure. To close out some of the NWSL news, though, um, we're we still are like uh, waiting on an announcement, right, Lisa, for mm-hmm. Chicago Red Stars and their head coaching position. Uh, several teams, in fact, every other team uh, that was looking for. Uh, a head coach to fill that position have already done that. And uh, Chicago Red Stars uh, yet to, to go ahead and, and make this announcement. And this is actually uh, cutting it pretty close. This is actually, we're bringing this up just because it's about under two weeks, less than that uh, for players to report to camps uh, for uh, preseason camps. And um, still a club out there uh, waiting for their, their head coach to be uh, announced. This is something that is shocking, yet also not at all shocking to me. I mean, with all of the coaching turnover that we saw, nine coaches um, will be different from the start of the 2021 season to the start of the 2022 season. Houston Dash's James Clarkson is the only coach that is uh, staying from one year to the next Um But this was a team that had a lot of drama surrounding the initial resignation of Rory Dames in the middle of the night after the championship, after Chicago lost to Washington in the NWSL championship. And then uh, Rory Dames being under investigation for the anti-harassment policy in the league and and a lot of news coming out about him and an investigation. Uh, But the latest that we heard from Chicago was December 13th, I believe. They, They announced that. They are searching and they're interviewing and they have a process set for their finding their new head coach and making sure it follows all the policies and the guidelines set forth for anti-harassment and in the NWSL. And it has players support behind the hire. Um, And Chicago Red Stars at that time said we will make an announcement in January. Um, So technically, we're still in January. But (laughs) as you mentioned, less than two weeks until players report for preseason who the heck is their coach? Why haven't they announced it yet? Um, this is just bizarre to me because if they have it, it's it, why not announce it? What are they waiting for? Um, at, at this point, it's just becoming odd that we really haven't heard anything on the PR side of things from Chicago. Yes, their Twitter is active in terms of everyday Twitter banter, but nothing official that we've heard from the club. It's really just been crickets from their side of things. And and we talked a little bit about it. Good news is, is or no news is good news a lot of times, but this is just weird that we haven't heard anything from Chicago and we are still waiting on it. It's the last coach um, that needs to be hired. It's the last club that needs a head coach heading into the 2022 season. Yeah, no, I think you, that's the best way to put it. I, I don't, it's not for lack of articulation. I think it's just a fact. I think it's a not an unfair way to put it, that it's just weird. Um, you know, you have a, an off season, you know, where clubs are constantly, you know, in the headlines. And I think your club is coming off of maybe some negative headlines, right? I think you'd want to maybe try to, you know, get in the mix of, of having some, some, you know, positive things around the club. And, and, you know, they made the player acquisition, you know, the, the move with Racing Louisville to bring uh, a player back like like Yuki Nagasato into into the mix and into the fold, um, you know. But this is actually a deal that came to light because this player requested it. <laughs> you know, so this this is this isn't exactly like the franchise was out there making phone calls and saying like, "Hey, we need we really want to get Yuki Nagasato back to the club." Like, no, Yuki Nagasato told Racing Louisville, "Hey, this uh, I have a personal event happening in my life. I would like this to happen. See if you can make it happen." And then that's how it came to light. Right. So there's not a lot of player acquisition that they have to hang their hat on if they're Chicago Red Stars. And I think one of the big things that uh, people are looking for, perhaps the, the fans of the club that are looking for, maybe like, uh, you know, the, the most obvious, which is like, Hey, who's going to be leading the club in 2022. So like you said, um, not a lot coming out, but they did have those uh, few releases uh, on their website uh, talking about uh, who was going to be uh, running the club uh, in terms of the, the interim head coaching uh, capacity. And Rade uh, Tanaskovic is, is listed on there as acting head coach for, for the moment. Um, but yeah, well, we'll, we're, it's just something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Uh, unfortunately this late into the off season. And obviously I think if you're, you know, a a casual fan or a very invested fan, or even a season ticket holder of of the franchise, it's something that you're waiting on and hoping to, to get, get news on, uh, from this franchise 
you know, considering everything that they kind of went through uh, during during the offseason. Um, and we'll have to just keep an eye on it uh, until then. But uh, 11 other teams, Lisa, having having their head coaching uh, positions filled. Uh, but into the offseason, it was about eight or so. Right. I think that mm-hmm. we were looking at in terms of teams that needed to either uh, solidify. Right. Their head coaching position, because there were some interims who were in place where like they weren't too sure if this was going to be the coach moving on to the, to the next, uh, next phase of things. Uh, and Chicago Red Stars was one of those, uh, as well, uh, you know, got them saying like, Hey, like we're committed to Scott Parkinson, Washington spirit, ultimately taking off that interim head coach off of Chris Ward and naming him head coach. Same with Sean Nahas from, uh, North Carolina courage took the interim off, just made it official, uh, Orlando pride, Kansas city current, uh, you know, Portland thorns, uh, and then during or very early into the season, San Diego Angel City uh, naming their coaches as well. And Racing Louisville FC was a, was a team as well uh, in the offseason needing to look for uh, a head coaching position. But all those other clubs have uh, gone ahead and moved forward uh, with that role, um, with the exception of the Chicago Red Stars. And there hasn't been a ton around the rumor mill, Lisa, on this. Yeah. Um, there has only been um, some some reporting from Jonathan Tannenwall of the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, talking about something that he heard and that tying uh, uh, Omid uh, Nazmari, I believe, to to the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, but other than that, there hasn't been uh, a ton out there. So, um, And that could be a, a, a multitude of reasons. One of those things, who knows, could be processes, right? Perhaps yeah. there's something in the works and it just hasn't been something that's been announced. Uh, but in terms of a, a timeline that they put on themselves, it's, uh, it's counting down for sure. So we'll see next time when we hop into here how that looks. Uh, I want to remind everybody that you can watch the Women's Cup, the Asia, the Women's Asian Cup on Paramount+. Plus. Check it out. We're going to be having more updates for you all on that as well. You can watch it on Paramount+. Plus. If you missed the game, you can watch full highlights on Attacking Third. YouTube.com slash Attacking Third for all the great highlights. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening, uh, as always. And uh, we will be back on Monday with more coverage and exclusive interviews. For Sandra Greta and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.